0: Before beginning this episode, we would like to address the ongoing situation in Ukraine. Obviously, there is a massive refugee crisis taking place. If you haven't already, please listen to our previous episode on the refugee crisis in Ukraine. This episode provides a strong background for the conflict and the humanitarian crisis before the invasion. However, a lot has changed since the publishing of that episode and the refugee crisis has become much bigger. If our listeners are interested, we could create an update episode explaining the challenges faced by refugees right now. Also, if you are looking for charities to donate to, we would be happy to recommend some great organizations through our Instagram page. If this would be of interest, please DM us on Instagram and let us know. Now, back to this episode. Welcome back to the Refugee Report. This episode's focus is Kashmir. This region has been caught in a constant cycle of violence dating back to the 1940s. It is at the crossroads of three major superpowers. This has created a conflict which has greatly impacted ordinary civilians. Today, thousands of Kashmiris have been displaced from their homes. Before explaining this crisis, we would like to warn you that the following audio and descriptions may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Kashmir is a region that is claimed by modern day India, Pakistan, and China. The region borders these three countries as well as Afghanistan. The geography is mountainous with deep, narrow valleys and plateaus. The south is the thickly forested foothills of the Himalayas. In the north, there are large Himalayan mountains, and it is near some famous peaks like K2. Around 13 million people live in this region. This includes Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, and Sikhs alike. Buddhism emerged in the region in the 3rd century. Between the 9th and 12th centuries, the region became a hub of Hinduism. In the 14th century, the region came under Muslim rule. There was even a Sikh kingdom that ruled over the region at one point. In the 19th century, modern-day India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh were under British colonial rule. When India gained independence, the British split the region into two. India, a majority Hindu country, and Pakistan, a majority Muslim country. Modern-day Bangladesh was part of Pakistan at the time. People tried to flee to the country that represented their religion. This created the partition of India, which caused millions to be displaced. This journey was very dangerous. The rains come to India. It's the monsoon season. Fields are flooded, rivers overflow their banks. And all the time, the bloodshed goes on. As the new dominions of Pakistan and India take over their own affairs, Communal hatred flares up in the Punjab. Fleeing from their looted, blood-stained towns comes a new exodus, a million displaced persons. Independence has not yet brought them peace. Rejoicing turned quickly into horror and mourning. Throughout this vast land, Hindus and Muslims seek safety in new surroundings. Peace-loving people, theirs is the real tragedy. The fortunate few flee in army transports or in buses. It's important to understand how certain regions were divided between India and Pakistan. Some of the princely kingdoms in India were allowed to choose their country. The monarch in one region, called Jammu and Kashmir, decided to keep the region neutral. This region has a Muslim majority with a Hindu monarch. Muslim militants began rebellions in the region out of fear that the monarch would eventually choose to join India. In response, the monarch sought military assistance from the Indian government. In exchange, he agreed to join the country of India. This caused the First Indo-Pakistani War in 1947. The UN Security Council helped to create a deal between the two countries. A dividing line was established in Kashmir between India and Pakistan. The agreement also insisted that troops from both sides retreat from the region. This retreat never happened. Also, the United Nations ordered a democratic vote in Kashmir so that the people could decide their own fate. However, this also never happened. In fact, India went as far as adding Kashmir to its constitution. Article 370 of the Indian Constitution was added in 1949 and it gave Kashmir semi-autonomy. This means that the Indian part of Kashmir had its own legislature, flag, constitution, and prime minister. Just no military or foreign policy power. In 1965, the Second Hindu-Pakistani War takes place, and this results in heavy casualties for both sides. Another ceasefire was reached, but the border in Kashmir had not changed. In 1971, the Third Hindu-Pakistani War broke out. This war took place in East Pakistan, and India helped rebels seize the country and turn it into Bangladesh. This conflict put even greater importance on Kashmir for the Pakistani government. This made Kashmir one of the most militarized places in the world. There was a democratic election in Kashmir in 1987, but India was accused of rigging it. This caused widespread protests, which India harshly suppressed. This further escalated violence in the region. Muslim youth began taking up arms to fight for independence in the Indian part of Kashmir. Pakistan then helped to introduce radical Islamic militants to fight in the region for a more pro-Pakistani Kashmir. India responded to this by deploying 500,000 more troops to the region. However, it wasn't until the late 1990s that the situation reached a boiling point. Both Pakistan and India developed nuclear weapons. Good evening, Pakistan has exploded five nuclear devices exactly matching the number of Indian nuclear tests carried out a fortnight ago. The Pakistani Prime Minister said his country had no choice because the world had not taken action against India for starting the dreaded game of destruction." This means that all of the countries clashing in Kashmir are nuclear superpowers. This has raised the stakes to new levels. But obviously these weapons have not been used in the conflict. In addition to this, shelling along the border between the two countries keeps killing people to this day. This is mostly done in the rural regions between the two countries. Shells have landed in civilian areas, destroying entire homes and killing countless people. Another facet of the modern-day conflict is terrorism. Pakistani extremist militants have carried out terrorist attacks within India during the 2000s. In response, India began taking harsh measures against protesters in Kashmir. One way they did this was by firing bullets and pellets at unarmed protesters. This still happens to this day. Listen to this news report about wounded Kashmiris. Keep in mind that this was less than a year ago. Civilians were also caught up in the fighting. Retired school teacher Ghulam Nabidar is one of the victims being treated for his wounds. The security forces came and fired tear gas shells. I didn't run as I thought. I'm an elderly person. They won't harm me. But pellets were fired at me. I fell and blood started oozing from my back, arms and abdomen. I was covered in blood. Adil Ahmad says this is his sister's x-ray, showing the bullet lodged inside her. She was working at her home, and suddenly a bullet hit her. We live far away from the gun battle site. In addition, Indian troops are accused of using explosives to destroy residential property, in which they suspect fighters are hiding. Another reason why protests continue to escalate is because of increased Indian involvement in the region. Remember Article 370 of the Indian Constitution? Well, in the summer of 2019, Article 370 was taken out of the Indian constitution. Then, internet communications and security were tightened within Kashmir. Thousands of activists were also rounded up by the police. This was part of a campaign promise of President Modi, the president of India, to integrate Kashmir more into India. Although Kashmir has recently lost autonomy, its power had already been eroded over the years. As a result, the troop presence increased to somewhere around 700,000 Indian troops. This is about half of India's active military. These security forces are committing human rights crimes in the region. A 2019 UNHCR report found that out of 160 civilians killed in 2018, 71 were killed by Indian security forces. What also makes the situation difficult for Kashmiris is the ever-changing status of the conflict. Businesses and schools close for chunks of the year due to fluctuations in violence. This means many Kashmiri children are having their education constantly disrupted. Situations like this have forced countless Kashmiris to flee their homes. It is hard to pinpoint exact refugee statistics in this case, because many end up internally displaced locally within the area. Also, the governments involved are not always truthful or transparent about the statistics. However, on average, somewhere between 75,000 to 100,000 Kashmiris are displaced each year due to the conflict. It is not common for refugees to cross the border between India and Pakistan in Kashmir but we at least know that around 40,000 from Indian Kashmir are refugees in Pakistan Kashmir. A specific group called the Kashmiri Pandits have been especially impacted by the refugee crisis. The Kashmiri Pandits are a Hindu minority group within Kashmir. During the early 1990s, the Pandits began to be targeted during an escalation in the conflict. This caused a mass exodus of nearly the entire population. For about 30 years now, this group of people have been moving in and out of different refugee camps. Still to this day, many in this group have not been permanently resettled. There are numerous refugee camps that house these refugees. However, many now live in Jogti refugee camp outside of Jammu City. This camp houses around 4,200 families. Refugees from the Jogti camp say that amenities and living conditions are horrible. In fact, there is little to no infrastructure for water. As of 2018, there was one hospital in the camp with two doctors working it. There is a major lack of medical infrastructure, and the hospital doesn't even have an x-ray machine. There is also a huge lack of medicine, and the hospital only has some generic medicines. Furthermore, there is a lack of job opportunities for these refugees, and the educational opportunities for the youth, are abysmal. Therefore, many within the camp feel as though the government does not care about their well-being. One reason for why these camps lack humanitarian aid is that many of these people are not recognized as refugees by the United Nations. This prevents them from receiving guarantees like clean water and necessary supplies. When researching for this episode, I was shocked at how little information is available about the refugee crisis in Kashmir. Usually when examining a refugee crisis, I'm able to find countless humanitarian reports, news clips, and articles about the efforts to help refugees. However, the resources available in this case are quite negligible. There is very little information about the current state of these refugee camps and the efforts to resettle these refugees. A reason for this may be that the conflict is constantly going through fluctuations. This may make it hard to create a clear narrative about what is needed in the region. However, based on my research, it seems that the situation in Kashmir is an incredibly neglected refugee crisis. Before concluding this episode, we would like to recommend an organization that is helping refugees from Kashmir. This episode, it is Helping Hand for Relief and Development. This organization works on both sides of Kashmir's border to provide food, water, and skill training to refugees. Their link will be in the description of this episode. While we do recommend this organization, it is important to do research before spending your own money. That concludes this episode of The Refugee Report. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow us on our Instagram at wartime aid. Tune in next time to learn about the refugee crisis in the Central Sahel region. As always, thank you for listening.